Okay, jury members, we need to come to a conclusion on this case. He's guilty. There are 10 witnesses who saw him. I agree. Anyone think he's not guilty? I think he's not guilty. His brother said he was with him 300 miles away. I agree. I thought you agreed he was guilty. I did. I don't limit myself to only one truth. I believe there are many truths. Do you believe the testimony of the 10 witnesses? Yes. And you believe the brother's testimony? Yes. How is it possible for a person to be in a bank and yet 300 miles away at the same time? I don't know, but we need to respect the beliefs and testimonies of all the witnesses. In other words, you don't really want to think this through? Many people believe that all religions lead to heaven, yet Jesus claimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Since these claims contradict each other, have you examined the evidence and decided which is the truth? When we talk about discernment, we're talking about the concept that discernment means that it determines our destiny. How we approach and make judgments and decisions about the things of this life, about God, about heaven, about how to get to heaven, how to do what's right or wrong, all is determining what's going to happen to our eternal destiny. This is why discernment is such an essential and important issue for us to wrestle with in our days here. Now, we want to look at our first reminder, and that was, remember, our definition. Remember, discernment means the ability to recognize truth and distinguish it from half-truths or lies. Remember, that's our defining words. Now, I want you to take and look at your scriptures. If you have a Bible, you can turn. But the first key verse, I want you to see how this is underlining what we're saying, comes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 and verse 22, two verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. They're short and sweet statements. The first verse says, test all things. And then it says, hold fast what is good. Then it finishes with abstain from every form of evil. Now to understand the impact of that statement, Let me help you understand a concept of what we're talking about when we concern ourselves with truth. The basics of truth is based on antithetical thinking. Now that's a simple statement to say this. When you affirm something's true, that means you deny the opposite is true. For example, look at my square up there. I affirm to you that square is red. That means I deny that it's green. I deny that it's blue. I deny that it's all the other colors. The only thing I'm affirming is that's red and it's not green. That makes sense? You affirm the the truth of it. That means you you have to deny the opposite. You must say that to make sense in a logical, normal way of thinking. It's reality. If it's light, then it's not dark. Correct? You have to affirm the reality and deny the opposite to make sense. Now, looking back at our our verse and look at that scripture, it says, test all things. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to taste your toilet water to see if it tastes good or not. It's not talking about that. It's not saying you should test your cat food to make sure it's good for the cat or you're not supposed to test your dog food. We're not talking about those kind of foolish things. What are we talking about? We're talking about spiritual truth, aren't we? We're talking about reality, and it says, test all things. That means where do you test 
spiritual things. You test them inside the church, right? Therefore, you have to test what is spoken inside the church. You have to test the preacher who's talking to you today right here to make sure it's of the truth. You must look at and affirm what is true. You must reject and abstain from that which is evil or wrong or false or lies. A lie is evil. Therefore, to affirm truth, you deny the lie. You resist the lie. Everybody with me? You have to understand that's a very common, normal definition of ideas. And God tells you when it comes to religious things, you must test everything. Never be afraid of a preacher saying, if you question me, the, the Lord will strike you down for daring to question my authority. I hear this on TV, and I've heard them spoken on TV. I've heard guys on the Trinity Broadcasting say, you that are uh, heresy hunters, you dare question my authority, God will strike down your children and grandchildren. You'll suffer for that. That is bold-faced lies. When you hear people say those kind of extremist truths, reject them. Abstain from listening to them. Run from them. See what we're saying? How you have to. Now, it's easy to say these ideas until you can put faces in front of them. Then suddenly we kind of melt from the ideas. And this is why I want you to have a conviction today of what we're talking about. We're talking about people with faces that are walking around inside the churches or on television preaching in the name of Jesus. We have to look and test what they're saying. We have to test what they're doing. We have to test how they're coming across and say, this guy's false. I will reject him and I'm not going to listen to him again. Or this guy is true, therefore I'm going to continue to be able to be learning from him to, for my discipleship and my growing in Christ. See how important this is? Now I want to show you why we have to go through this step by step. Because doctrine does and is important. It does lay down strong foundation. Remember, doctrine is simply the word teaching. We talk about the fundamental teaching of being a, a baseball player. You have to learn the doctrines or the teachings of the coach so you can play the game properly and in unity and order, correct? And it's in every area. When I go to my job, there is a line of policies. It's the doctrine or teaching of my business. And I have to follow those policies or those teachings to be an employee there. Whether you work at McDonald's or work for um, IBM, they have policies and teaching rules that are there for you to follow. And the same with reality, with Jesus Christ. The Bible has clear-cut doctrines that are black and white. And when people break from those, they are not walking with God. They are inventing their own religion. They're either walking in half-truths or they're walking in... Lies. Correct. Make sure you see how this works. Now, notice that word truth. That word truth always ties in down here to affirming truth. You take truth and you have to affirm it. That's what testing is. See what I'm saying? Truth has to be looked at to be affirmed. And affirm means what? I agree with it. You take truth and say, I agree. I understand. I believe it. I agree with it. I respond to it. Now, affirming is powerful, but so is denying the opposite. You cannot affirm truth without denying the opposite. You cannot affirm the word of God unless you deny the lies about God. 
You have to be able to walk on both sides, discerning the reality, because God tells us to discern. Now, look at the next portion of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. To show you how important this is, God, is, 2,000 years ago, wrote us very clear instructions of how we lay down this affirmation, how we tell what's true and false, what we have to focus on to see what's true and false. Verse 3 says, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice the first warning has to do with corrupting your mind. Obviously, if your mind is corrupted, just like a computer gets corrupted, what does that mean? It gets false or wrong information. Therefore, we're talking here about what? Truth, doctrine. Right, we're talking about truth and doctrine. It's exactly what we are laying our foundation on. We're talking about the ideas or teachings, and it says the serpent. Who's the serpent? Satan is the serpent. It's from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it says Satan came as a serpent. He, Paul is just reminding us back to the very beginning. The serpent came from the very first time of man. The first people that were created by God. The serpent has always, from the beginning, tried to be sneaky, confuse, and corrupt the way we think. It's no different. He has not stopped, even since Christ came, to do that. He has got the same policy to confuse your mind, to corrupt your thinking, to take you away from the teachings of Jesus, and to confuse you and get you off the track. That's never any different. Understand, because of that reason and reality that Satan never stops trying to blow people's minds and get them going in the wrong direction, because of that, Paul says, you have to be very careful about three basic areas. Look at verse 4. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, number one, if somebody comes to you and talks about Jesus and they use the same name, the question isn't that they're not using the name Jesus, the question is, who is the Jesus they're talking about? You have to get them, test them. You have to get them to tell you who the Jesus is they're talking about. When Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, in fact, a couple weeks ago they came to my door, and they saw our little mat on the ground, so they knew they were in trouble because we got a little mat that says, um, don't croak without Jesus, and it's got a little frog there. Don't croak without Jesus. So they knew we were into Jesus. Well, this Jehovah's Witness guy says, oh, there's a little difference between us, just a little. It's not a big deal. Just a little bit about Jesus. I said, no, no, that's not true. We are absolutely disagreeing on who Jesus is. And they didn't want to talk anymore and said goodbye. But they don't want to hear it. They want to try to tell you that the Jesus they believe in is my Jesus. That is absolutely false. They do not accept Jesus as being God, Jehovah Almighty. They say Jesus is a little God, another God that Jehovah made. He's a second God. But God says in Isaiah, you are my witnesses, which is the verses they like to go by. He said, you are my witnesses. There is no God but me. There's never been a God formed after, before me, neither shall there be one formed after me. I even wrote those people a letter and mailed it to their church. If you call it a church, it's not. It's a cult. I wrote a letter to them and said, you keep coming to my house. And you keep telling me 
that you think what I think. Since you've come to my house many times, I don't feel bad about writing you a letter telling you how you're wrong. Here is what you need to understand. The Jesus you're saying is not the Jesus that's in the Bible. And I went through and wrote a whole letter telling them how they misrepresent Jesus. I was hoping they would listen to me, but they came back to my house again. I'm going to write them another letter. Every time they come to my house, I'm going to write them a letter. But every time they come to the house, I'm sending them another letter. See what I'm doing? I don't know where they live, but I know where their building is, and I'm going to send them a letter each time with a thorough uh, um, response to them telling me the wrong thing. Because I want them, hopefully, to hear. But this person sat there and said, oh, there's just a little difference between us, and really believes it. They still, we believe in Jesus, we have just a different little approach. to No, they have another Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's a different Jesus. It's a wrong, it's a false Jesus. He is a small God, a different God, but God says there is no other God but me. Therefore, that, call, that makes them pagans immediately. Now they believe in multiple gods, and, God's, and Jehovah said there is no other God formed but me. And yet they claim that Jehovah formed him. They are in trouble with their own doctrines that quick, and they got, they got them. But that means there's a problem. And it says, if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit... We're talking about the Holy Spirit. If the characteristics of the Holy Spirit described in the Bible don't match the Holy Spirit claims of a church that you get involved with or visit or whatever, then there's a problem. Thirdly, a different gospel, which you have not received or accepted from the original Bible, it says, you may well put up with it. In other words, he wrote these guys and said, you scare me to death. You scare me. I am so worried about you being deceived because of all the things you allow happening at Corinth. Remember, Corinth was a church that had all kinds of speaking in tongues, all kinds of miraculous events going on, sideshows going on in their church services, and he had to keep writing them, trying to settle them down because they were crazy and wild. They're the ones he had to keep telling them. This is the second letter, and he's still saying, you guys scare me to death. All the, times I've, all the things I've taught you when I was at your church, in your group, and you still look like you're going to suck everything that the devil tells you down your throat and believe it. He said, I'm trying to get you to understand a balance here. There's three foundational concepts of discernment you've got to get. You've got to make sure you match the Jesus of the preachers that come to your church to be the Jesus I told you about from God's word when I came. You've got to measure what you're saying is the Holy Spirit and measure what I taught you when I came there from God's word. He says, I've got to make sure you understand the gospel you're hearing. If it doesn't match what I told you at the beginning from God's word, you're probably going to accept it. You're so open to, quote, spiritual leadership and, and, and uh, the revelations of the Holy Spirit and all these things instead of God's Word. You're sucking in everything that the devil's throwing at you. Don't you know? He's crafty. He's going to corrupt your teaching and your minds and ruin your faith unless you've put your faith on the Bible. See what he's saying? But the foundation's in three areas. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the actual gospel message. Those are the things we must fight over. Hear me? Those are the things we fight about. Those are the things we must divide for. There's reasons to unite, but there's reasons to divide. Notice what he's saying? Those are the things you resist. God gave us the Bible for our source of eternal truth. And we are warned by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 3-4, 
but I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted you may well put up with it. If you do not discern what is truth and what is false, your eternal destiny is hopeless. You must see the importance of affirming the truth, and strongly denying falsehood. Don't be foolish, listen to the teachings of Jesus. If you have questions you can ask Randy by contacting him on Twitter at Randy and Bell or online at narrowroadunderground.klptv.com.